Welcome to Divine Downloads. I'm your host, Cassandra Bozak, and this is the, the show where we talk about both the spiritual and strategic solutions to help you bring the vision you have for your life into reality. And today I have a super special episode that I'm really excited about. It's a long time coming. It's probably over a year in the works with one of my dear, dear, dear girlfriends and also um, another coach. And as she describes herself, energy shifter and mind mover <laughs> it's energy mover and mind shifter um but you know i wanted to bring my friend jamie on one just because she's a gift um she's just a treasure having her in my life and she is so full of so much wisdom um but also because we have been talking for over a year now actually about this concept of unmet desires and how both of us, obviously, as coaches, we work with people all the time and help them really bring the desires and the vision that they have for their life into reality. Um, but over a year ago, both of us, but Jamie especially, was in really this like pivotal moment of sitting with a big unmet desire of wanting to be a mother. And we were just talking about how it was just so interesting um, being kind of who we are and what we teach and everything we talk about, how we sit in the unmet desire. So I'll just throw it to you from there, Jamie. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jamie. Um, yes, I'm an energy mover and a mind shifter. Um, and yes, like my dear friend Cassandra said, I am, um, we coach people in, you know, living um, their dream life in the reality, right? And how to bring that forward. and. I think so much of what, you know, where this episode came about when we were talking about it over a year ago, um, you know, if just so you know, this was, I think in two weeks, I was actually flying to LA to film it with you. Um, so it really is that much. And that was, we were still talking about doing it like way before we even planned on me coming to LA. So it's really been a long time since we talked about doing this. Um, I think that what, um, when I kept on saying to you, it's like an unmet desire, uh, not yet met desire. Right. And like, and what we were talking about is really is like what that journey looks like. And like, how do you um, stay in faith, hope, and all those things while you ha it hasn't come into fruition yet? And that was kind of like where our main thing was is that it's not even about that end destiny of like getting to live the life of your dreams, but it's like, what is that journey like to get there? And how do you sit with um, joy? And faith and all that when you're still getting no's towards the thing that you want. And that was kind of where that big conversation came for us. You know? Yeah, because I think it's easy. And especially I think sometimes people probably look at us and think like, oh, like you manifest all the things you want. And, you know, it's just like you don't sit in that same period. And I know a lot of the people listening and I'm sure people that follow both of us and our clients. Um, are sitting in that period. I feel like almost all of us are always sitting in that period around at least one thing in our lives. Yeah, right? yeah, if you're always living slightly on your edge, which I think is the sweet spot of life, then there's always going to be, um, and it's not about you're always chasing more and more and more, but you keep on moving with it, right? So you get that thing and then there's something else because you don't want to stay stagnant. And so it's not that you're constantly jumping and, and trying to grab more and more and more, but naturally in, if you're engaging with life that there's always going to be 
after you receive that, there will be a different thing. And it might be in the same like area of your life. It might be different, right? So it might be that you hit a milestone in like how much money you're making or finding a, a partner, right? But then let's say like they became the boyfriend or the girlfriend. And now I want to know if they're going to become the fiance. Then I want them to, <laughs> right? There's always a new milestone. I hit this number. Now I want to hit that number, right? Um, so I want to be, I want to be a mother. So right? it's like, I want to get pregnant. Then it's like, okay, I want to have a healthy birth. Then I want to raise the perfect child, right? <laughs> all, so like all the things keep on moving along as they naturally should. So I think we are always in that state. And so that's the, that's, I think the, the learning is, is that, so how do we sit comfortably and happily in that state of the unmet desire? Right? Exactly. And- because I agree. I think it's, actually really organic natural place for our soul's evolution to Mm -hmm. constantly want to keep expanding and growing and like that's just part of the journey and especially if you're along for the ride it is it isn't this feeling of like oh I need like more and more and more but it's just this feeling of like constant growth in a way like we're meant to be on this growth journey and we're meant to be kind of consistently like I like what you said like on our edge I feel like that's like a really good way to put it we're supposed to be on our edge and so you know I think your journey um around wanting a baby and wanting to be a mother is just such a beautiful story around this and I think it's something that you can really apply to whatever anyone's unmet desire is like you can so I want to take us back to when we were first talking about you because it's actually a Jamie has a, a beautiful story like a pre-story to this story that I actually really love because I don't even know if I've told you this but one of the things that I really love in my coaching sessions sometimes is when someone has a desire that they didn't even realize was a desire right and then it's right. all of a sudden like something kind of moves and shifts and activates and then this desire like awakens and they're like oh wow because that was a bit of how your journey was about realizing that you were ready to be a mother right yeah um so i just want to go back to the thing that's so interesting about this is because originally you and i were going to record this before my desire was met right yes and i think that like that's and that was like i think the main point at that at that moment was um it's not always about getting to the thing, right? Because you know, as a witness to everything that was happening, I was joyous and happy the whole time, even though through my story, there were some hard times. And so again, I just want to make sure like, it's it's not always about attaining the thing. It's about like whatever, and, and where that journey takes you. And that journey might take you a little different than where you thought, right? But it's But it's like in the going after that you make your way, right? Exactly. And I think that's what I... Uh, that's what I want to talk about a lot on this podcast is that time when you were the time when before the desire was met, right? Like, let's talk about like, you realize you have this desire, right? And this desire snuck up on you a little bit, which I think actually is more common than people in all desires. Like, I think sometimes things just shift in our lives and all of a sudden, like it awakens these desires that maybe like for the past three years, or whatever, you know, for our past history wasn't so conscious. And now we're like, okay, I have this new desire. It's here. I'm scared because now it's like this new desire. (laughs) And now where do I begin when I'm in that moment? Because let's start there because I think that's the first moment. The first moment is, ah, I have this desire and it makes me a little nervous, right? Take me, take me there. Okay. So I'll start with, um, I'll just tell the quick story because I do think it is a fun story of how I like realized because it was so 
aha moment. Um, and again, sort of like the way I think the new desires pop up is because you're ready to hold them. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's why all of a sudden they become so apparent. And, um, at this point I was on, um, I was doing lots of Kundalini and I was really, um, really, really, I had my very dedicated practice to it, uh, more serious than I ever had for a few years at that moment. And there were just like little signs of like me having these moments in my meditations where it's like, oh, what if I brought up like a Kundalini baby? Like, what would that be like? Like, oh, I could like do it so differently than the way my mom did it. Cause my whole life I grew up not wanting to be a mother. Like it was never a thought of mine. Um, and then here I was at um, about to turn 44 and all of a sudden I had these like little pings of like, Ooh, like how cute would that be if I had a little Kundalini baby? And I just kind of was like letting them thought, letting them kind of hang out there, but not thinking much of them. And then I wound up going to, um, Whenever Gabby's at Kapalu, me and a couple of girlfriends, we go with Gabby as a, um, it's like our girls weekend. And so we all go to it together. And so I'm sitting there and I'm with my friend Robin and my friend Jenny and Gabby, and we're all sitting around and I'm just like getting very strong, strong feelings of like, oh my God, like, I think I'm like supposed to have a baby. And it first starts off with, I'm sitting next to Robin in a meditation and I started thinking about during this meditation, something happened where I was like, I think I need like a crystal to help me hold this vision. Right. And it was just like random thing. We get out of the meditation. Robin was wearing this like huge chunky thing. And I think, and I was like, and it's from Brazil and just random. Robin looks at me after the meditation, she turns to me and she takes her necklace off. And she's like, I feel like you're supposed to have this. And it was this huge crystal that she got like from Brazil. like okay like this is so weird so then I'm like okay so then we are and I think either Gabby was either pregnant or no maybe Gabby had already given birth I don't totally remember but then we're in the car ride home it's me Jenny and Robin in the car ride home and I look at them and I'm like I think I want a baby and they're like what and I'm like (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I think I want a baby. And like, they're so in shock because this is something I'd never said out loud before. Like I really just, I'm like, and they're like, and my husband also was very hell no. And you have to remember like talking about like how life changes that I owned my restaurant beforehand. Will was working in restaurants. Will had recently, or like a year out now was doing a food product. So he was actually home and had normal hours. I closed my restaurant and was fully in coaching. So I had different hours. Um, And I think that that's what allowed this new desire to come, right? Because I moved into a different area of my life. So it's the first time I'd said that out loud and everyone's like, oh my God, how are you going to tell Will? Like he's going to freak out. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I think it'll just be told when it's supposed to be told. And I remember I got home that night and we were watching an episode of, and I wasn't thinking about it. And we were watching an episode of uh, getting coffee in cars, the one with the Jerry Seinfeld one. And he was talking to someone on it and they're like, Jerry, what's the greatest thing you could be called? And Jerry's like, I don't know. And the guest was, I don't remember who it was, but the guest was like, it's dad. Like only three people in the world can call you dad. He's like, how amazing is that? And like, like literally without even thinking, I just turned to Will and I was like, do you want someone to call you dad? And he looks at me and his answer was only if you want someone to call you mom. And I was like, I, love I it. think I do. And he was like, so let's do it. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and literally, and then that night we decided that we were actively going to do what we could to have a baby. Now, again, I was about to turn 44. 
And um, I would sit in meditation with this vision and it, I kept on hearing in the voice, like, it will happen, just get help. It will happen, just get help. And it was a really loving, sweet, kind voice that was whispering to me and it didn't feel scary. And so I had this thing in my head that after th three months of trying um, naturally, or no, I think it was two months after trying naturally, like we would, and we would think about doing IVF. And I remember my husband, I'm thinking that like, Will would never go that far. Like he said, yes, but he's not going to go that far. And I was like, honey, I think like if it doesn't happen by October, you know, maybe we should consider IVF. And he's like, okay. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then we wound up calling to make an appointment and like, a, you, you know, people who know IVF, you kind of have to start on like your third day of your cycle, second or third day of your cycle. And so we, I randomly call, we can't get in until a certain date. We get in, it's the second day of my cycle. Which <laughs> we didn't even know because normally that first conversation is just a conversation to see if it's something you want to do. But when we went in, it was the stars were aligned, right? And it was just like, oh no, you can start. So it felt like everything was like very in sync in this way. Only to know that we went through numerous rounds, um, getting tons of eggs that made tons of embryos that went off to labs that weren't well, right? And so it was a, um, it was really interesting at the beginning, it was just seen, it felt like super effortless. Because, um, and again, anyone who knows how it goes through a cycle, it's like there's there's all these different stages that you go through with IVF. It's like first you retrieve the eggs, then you find out if they're mature, then you find out if they merge with the sperm, then you find out it's like so much stuff. And so we kept on going, yes, 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 yes. And then the last stop, which would be basically a month after you kind of start, was let down. And, you know, one of the things that my husband and I decided to do because we kind of knew, like everyone talks about how intense IVF can be and all of that. We made it really romantic. And so for us, um, every appointment, um, and this was obviously before lockdown, like every appointment we went, he went with me, even if it was just a blood test. And we would go early before work and we would have a coffee date. And we would we would get all these like really beautiful like stolen moments that we never would have had before you know like when would we have like 7 a.m coffee dates like never you know it would be like us running out the door to go wherever we needed to go and this way it was like incredibly intentional we always played mantra when we did the shots you know and even though my husband doesn't like mantra he would do it for me and like i would play mantra whenever i went into all any of the appointments i went to i had mantra playing on you know and we really, we basically went through the IVF for over a year and um, it was, again, the same thing. We switched doctors, we did all this, but the entire time during it, we were falling more and more deeply in love and we were watching ourselves kind of and feeling ourselves being in this space where we weren't we were seeing how strong we could be for each other. We were seeing how like when all these like hopes and dreams that we want so much. And my husband's much younger than me, right? So like there are all other things that could be coming up for me, but instead like he made me feel so safe and he made me feel like no matter what, we're okay because we're this beautiful team that can get through anything. And so um, we kept on going and we kept on going and you know we were never tied to a timeline, but at the same time, now we were rounding, I had turned 45 at this point. So I started off at 43 and I turned 45 at this point. And, you know, 
as you start to do more and more cycles, um, you start to, you know, recognize that there's only so many cycles that you can do. It's hard in the body. It is hard mentally, but that wasn't even it for us. It was more like, what are you doing? And so one of our, um, doctors brought out, and this is kind of like where it comes into that, which I think is a lot of what you and I were talking about is, is that understanding, like, what is the desire? And then like really, really understanding what the desire is versus sort of like what package it comes in. Right. And so when I was going through all of this, you know, and when you're older, a lot of people are going to bring up donor eggs for you. And so that was not my desire at the beginning. My desire was not like, oh my God, I want a donor egg. And so when I heard that, I was like, no, that's not what we're looking for. And as, and that doesn't mean it's not a whisper that's happening again, because like your eight, my age at that point was um, a reality. Right. And so for us, you know, we kept on going forward, going forward. And then one of the doctors who we spoke to, who we were going to talked a lot about, he looked at me and he was, and mind you, he was a horrible doctor and we did a bunch of cycles with him and I used to call him the devil man. And he really was, he just, for for anyone who's in IVF, I will tell you this, make sure that your doctor sees you, hears you and allows you to speak because it will be a completely different process. And this doctor was not, he was like the best in the city and he was not the best in the city. So, um, but what he did, which is why I understand why I had to meet him, is that he knew what I needed to hear and he, and he understood what my desire was. And so he looked at me one day and he said to me, I don't see how we can keep putting you through this. He's like, it's just really hard. He's like, even though the two of you do it so beautifully, he's like, and I've never seen a couple do it like the two of you. He's like, Aww. at what point, you know, do you, do you try to see something different? He's like, and I know you don't want to be open to the, the conversation of a donor. He's like, but I just want to put it this way. He's like, do you want to be a mom or do you want to bring it, carry on your DNA? He's like, which one matters to you? He's like, because if it's just to be a mom, he's like, then why does it matter whose egg it is? Right? He's like, because you get to be the mom. He's like, you're he's like, you're possibly going to take away your chance to be a mom because of DNA. He's like, and let me tell you with the field of epigenetics, he's like, there is nothing more important for your baby. He's like, and actually, I take that back because I don't think it's the most important thing. I think that like surrogacy is a huge, beautiful process as well. And I think that, you know, um, someone who gets to use their egg in a surrogate is also their own beautiful journey. And then I think someone who uses someone else's egg in a surrogate is also beautiful. I think it's all beautiful. Foster anyway. I think what I've learned from this process is any way you get to be a mom, any way you get to be a mom is a miracle. And my particular version, you know, what he was saying to me is it's that he's like, your thoughts, he's like, he knew, so he didn't like me, this doctor, but he definitely understood me, right? And he was like, everything you think about, everything you talk about, right? He's like, is that your subconscious mind, right, Jamie? He's like, it's your thoughts become you. He's like, that's what creates you. He's like, so this egg will be inside of you. He's like, for nine months as it grows and becomes a baby. He's like, as it becomes a, you know, fetus and all of that. He's like, so think about that when you're telling me that you don't want to have a donor. And I sat with that and it was a really, it was an, I, it was a, a shift. It was a yeah. shift. And he would be really, like tingles just having you repeat yeah. it. <laughs> be like, well. and, and it was a totally different thing. And it was like, Oh my God, like, yeah, like I'm not, I don't care about my DNA. Right. And so from that, um, we still did another round with him, but at this point I was on a waiting list for another doctor. And the funny thing is, is that at this point we had, um, 
I had met the other doctor while I was still sort of in the practice with the with the evil doctor, as I call him. <laughs> I call him something else, which I'm not going to say on this podcast. But anyway, um, but we wound up meeting with this other guy, and I remember we met him. And like, it's so funny because he's like not warm, fuzzy, and loving. He's not a sales guy. He's not any of the things that the other guy actually was. Um, in some way, the other guy wasn't warm, fuzzy, but he was a sales guy. Like, he was very like straightforward. He was like, listen, he's like we can try again with your eggs. He's like, but at the same time, he's like, if you want to increase your odds, he's like, which, you know, I think would be a smart thing to do. He's like, you should go to the donor egg. And there was like no heart or anything for it. But I remember looking at him the day I met him and I said to him, and again, like, I just want to, after, like, he wasn't warm and fuzzy. So it's, so he definitely was like, where is she coming from? And I just looked him in the eyes. I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, what? I'm like, I met the man who's going to help me get my baby. I'm like, I know that you were going to get me my baby. And he's just like, he's like, well, I'll tell you this. I'll do everything I can to help you. He's like, that's what I can promise you. And um, we wound up um, going through the donor program, but we also did a um, another round with him to get my own eggs to try while we were waiting because the donor thing does take time. So he was like, if you want. And he, where the other doctor didn't listen to me, he allowed me to like do it the way I did it with like very little medication, all this kind of stuff. And we got all these eggs that looked like we were having and like it was going to be this beautiful round and he was in shock and we were in shock and everyone was so excited. And then what wound up happening was I, um, and again, this is a little technical, but like if you ovulate before you get them um, retrieved, you, you basically lose the cycle, you know? Um, and that is very heartbreaking, especially when you have a lot of eggs. And he was out of town. And so a different doctor was doing it. And we went in there thinking we had a minimum of 15. And I come out and the doctor's like, you had five. And I was like, hmm? what? And he's like, sometimes it happens. And he was such an asshole. He's like, sometimes it happens. like, what do you mean? He's like, there could be shadows on ultrasounds. I'm like, not for 15. That wouldn't make any sense. And my doctor in not too many words, wrote me an email and he was just like, you know, I should have had you trigger earlier, which is basically saying that I ovulated, right? Uh. Lost them. And the interesting part of that also becomes when I looked at my husband and I said to him, there would have been a healthy egg in there and it was not the right egg for us. I'm like, and that's why this happened. I'm like, we were supposed to go with a donor and I 100% felt that. So instead of being enraged, right? I'm on hormones, right? Instead of being like enraged that I lost my chance, this was the last cycle we were going to do. Um, I literally was in complete surrender. And I was like, thank you. You protected me because I wasn't supposed to, there was going to be a good egg in there and it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have worked. Something was going to go wrong with that. And so universe, God, source, whatever it was, had me ovulate early. And yeah. I, and, it was, and it was very clear. And so in that moment, my husband was like so surprised and happy that like I wasn't upset at all if anything I like saw that as a miracle and I was like I got my very clear answer right yeah and and so then we wound up um getting getting a donor and it was like a very easy process which it wasn't all always it's not supposed it's not always that way to find I found a redhead right (laughs) just some like things that like were similar to me and um we wound up the first person that they showed us and like it was like a really beautiful process and like she likes yoga and there were so many things that were, um, I never met her, but there were so many things on her profile that were so similar to us and we were really, really happy about it and we got pregnant right away and then we lost it. And, um, I remember I was in acupuncture. Um, I was seven, six weeks pregnant, seven weeks pregnant at that point. 
And I remember the doctor's office called while I was in acupuncture because it was only one of the few things on Do Not Disturb I would allow in. And I saw him calling and I was like, okay, this is terrible news. Um, I don't know, like, he's, why is he calling me? And I answered the phone. I literally answered him like, we lost it in a way. And I had no reason to think that at that point. And he was like, I'm so sorry. He's like, we did. And I was like, okay. And, um, and he, you know, he reminded me, he was like, listen, he's like, you know, you lost it at a good point. He's like, because, you know, it wasn't too far along. He's like, we won't have to, you know, hopefully it will just flush itself out and then we can go into the next cycle. And at that point we didn't, we never found out if it was a girl or a boy. And we, um, we wound up, I, I cried, I screamed, um, I breathed. And then my acupuncturist was saying to me like, you know, you need to get all these tests done. You need to do that before you do the next one. And I remember calling the doctor and again, like he was, he's like a very traditional doctor, but he was up for all my like weird stuff. Mm -hmm. And I called him about doing all these tests and he was like silent. And he was like, no, he's like, I say yes to you on all your stuff. He's like, but I'm going to say no to this. He's like, cause I'm telling you the reason why it didn't work. Cause that wasn't your baby. He's like, your baby is still coming. It just wasn't that one. He's like, and there's nothing wrong with you. And mm -hmm. so we wound up um, doing the next one and um, getting pregnant with our son, um, Porter, who is here with us now. Mm -hmm. And the, the irony is, is that when I was coming to film with you, um, which was like, I think March like second or something, like, you know, some somewhere around that date, um, we were in that phase where COVID was suddenly being talked about, but not yeah. really sure what it was. We weren't even wearing masks yet at that point. No, yeah, and it was right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. And I didn't know if I was pregnant or not. And because I just, we had transferred on February 23rd. And it was like, not yet. And I remember I did a Kundalini teacher training. And I remember calling the doctor and saying like, I'm supposed to go to LA. Like, and it was like a luxury. Remember I was saying at the Ritz. Yeah. <laughs> you were meeting me there the first day. We were like, stood like going to fill the room with air one. Like we had all yeah. the <laughs> And then we wound up. Um, I remember I called him and I was like, what do I, can I fly? He's like, listen, he's like, we don't know anything about this. He's like, so if you don't have to, I would tell you not to. And yeah. I was like, okay. And so I didn't. And then here we are. And then ironically, we never found, so then when I got transferred port, when Porter got transferred in, we, we never chose, but after he got transferred in, we looked at the, I looked at the doc, I looked at Will and I was like, do you want to know? And Will was like, I do. And I was like, okay. And we look at the doctor and we're like, can we tell is it a boy or girl? And he's like, it says on your file not to tell. And I'm like, I know we're okay. And he's like, are you sure? And we're like, yeah, we're okay. We want to know. And he's like, it's a boy. And I was like, oh yes. And the funny thing about it is that I thought I wanted a girl, but like, it was such that, like that, that moment that you recognize like, oh my God, like, oh no, I totally wanted a boy. And like, I always thought I would be a better boy mom. And then I went through this moment of thinking it was a girl. So it was like this so excitement of like, oh my God, everything's been answered. And then last week, ironically, I was like, well, I was like, I'm just curious. Like it, what the other one, when, when we lost the first one, I remember saying to Will, it was a girl and mm. we lost it because we're supposed to have a boy. Wow. And, um, and Will was like, oh, because Will, you know, my husband, like his little bit of that. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm like, I was so strong trying to call in a girl and it's not, and the soul doesn't want to be a girl. Mm. Um, and I, and I think that that's why we lost her. 
And so last week I emailed the doctor and I was like, I'm so curious. I'm like, um, what was it? And what do we have left just out of curiosity? And, um, we found out we have, um, it was a girl. Oh, wow. And wow. we have a of like what's left. And so it really was just like, um, it was so divine and so trusting. And the whole time, like, even when, you know, listen, I, did I cry? Of course I cried. Of course I cried. And when I, when we got the phone call that, um, we lost her, like, did I cry? Like, yeah, I completely cried, but I absolutely didn't lose faith. I, I didn't, I, what I turned into is understanding that, um, it might just look a different way. And I was open to whatever that was. Well, I want to bring you back because I have so many, I've been taking notes because I didn't want to interrupt your story. (laughs) There's so many parts of that story that I think are just such pivotal moments when we're moving through that desire process. And like Mm -hmm. the very, very first one being how like we kind of assume sometimes how other people in our life are going to react to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Will just like totally blows your mind, was on his own evolutionary journey. You didn't even realize. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> <He was so laughs> right. And so, and obviously, of course, since he's your husband and, you know, uh, you have that relationship, it was, I would assume, hopefully, obviously, it's easier to kind of just be like, okay, this is my desire. It's a safer space. Right. Yeah. But yeah. It is true how sometimes like even with our with our desires, right, we get so worried because we've already like decided what other people might be thinking about it before we even say it, right? Yeah, and I think that like the thing with right is that my desire wasn't just mine. The in order for my desire to become true, he had to be enrolled in it, right? Yeah. He had to get on board. And so like the idea of um which I think is like interesting too, of like how it came about, how I asked him it, right? Because if I had enough time to think it out and think I need to control any of the things, I would have like had a certain like night plans and I would have like <laughs> lit the candles, right? And like had a very serious talk and like made it very intense. And listen, do I think that like his desire would have changed by the way I asked the question? No. But would the process have felt completely different? Yes. And part of it was, is that when they were asking me, like, how are you going to tell Will? I didn't have it sort of already planned out, right? I was just kind of in a space where um, I kind of, I think that like, if I, if I tune back into that moment, a lot of it was, I wouldn't have had that strong and sudden of a desire if I didn't know that he was there with me energetically. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's like um, an interesting part of it um, for sure. But you know who I was more scared when you talk about like telling the desire to, it was more of like my friends, mm-hmm. right? Because again, like I was older. And so I thought that everyone would judge me being like, who are you to think that you can become a mother at that age? That was like my main um, fear voice, if we want to be honest, right? Yeah. And, and my whole life, I never told anyone my age. Right. Because my mom told me never tell anyone your age. And so and I married someone nine and a half years younger than me. Right. And so like there were so many things that were coming up, I think, around 
that part that it wasn't even like it took it off of like me actually having the baby and more so like what would people think of me that I think that I can have a baby at this age it isn't that crazy how sometimes we do that with ourselves where we're like actually more worried about like what other people think who like you said like your husband in in the unique desire of wanting a kid or like a house or something that you'd go in with your husband on right then you do need that person's enrollment on some other things you don't need the other person's enrollment right right? like if you're doing like a work thing or whatever there's a lot of like solitary stuff but it's so interesting how then you start worrying about what other people who really don't matter at all to the process yeah totally (laughs) but they're gonna think so did you did you were there certain people that you intentionally like kept it from to keep it sacred or did you just kind of like jump in and have the difficult conversations and see how it went um I actually didn't tell a lot of people at all at the beginning um I told like my close friends, right? I told my close friends. I actually, um, I told just that really inner circle at the beginning. And partially, I think it was out of respect to Will in the process. Cause like Will is so private and, um, I'm not like, you know, I'll tell anyone anything, any moment, you know? And, um, <laughs> he, and he's not. And I think that like once IVF became part of it, I felt that, um, I had to respect my partner in like where his conversation would want to be around that. And then he started to feel better about it. And I said to him that um, I thought that he should talk to some of his friends about it. And so once, and again, that was really scared for me because his friends are his age. Right. So again, it's like this idea of like, I had to, if we were having the conversation with people, and again, I think even me not telling everyone right away from my own personal stuff, it was so not even about, the baby thing it was about people understanding my age, people judging me um, on the age factor. And so once he, though, started to tell people, um, then I told everyone. Then I was really open with it and easy with it and, and that stuff. And, and again, you- a lot of the people who I was coaching were going through it. So then that was a whole dynamic because I didn't, I don't think it's my place to tell them what, like, that specific of me because um, that's not that's not what I should be sharing. I think, um, depending on actually like, there was like one or two of my clients who I actually did tell. Um, and the ironic, the irony is, is that thank God I told one of them because I actually bumped into them at a fertility place. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I feel like with clients and stuff, you always kind of know like what to drop when, you know? (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah. So that, I think I answered that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. So for someone else that has like uh, what they perceive maybe as an audacious desire, right, Mm -hmm. that might not be like fully welcomed wholeheartedly by their people around them, would you would you advise them to kind of like allow them to keep it sacred for a bit or to just kind of. Okay. 100%. I think that one of the things that's really important is for you to allow yourself to sit with the belief that you know what's going to happen and feel strong in that. Um, because if you're not strong in the trust that it will happen, right, then someone can sort of like knock you off your faith. And so I think before you share it with people who you don't know what their reaction is, you don't know what their support level is going to be. I think it's really important to keep it close before you've brought it because you're already battling your own negativity and your own thoughts of like, it might not happening. You don't need anyone adding in on that until you're strong enough in it. Um, but again, like mine was not that I thought that it wouldn't happen for me. I definitely fully knew it was going to happen. 
I didn't know how, but I knew it was going to happen. I just, um, so mine was a little bit different in the sense of like why I waited. But I do think it's really important because I remember one girl said to me, I was like at a Kundalini retreat and this was like already probably like six months into my journey. So like I was really into it and she goes to me, it'll happen if it was supposed to happen. And I remember listening to that comment and being like, well, thank God I know it's going to happen, right? Because if I was in a place where I wasn't sure, that comment could have been so triggering for me. Oh, yeah. You know, like, what do you even believe about something like that? Like, if, you know, whether it is like I, wanting to be a mother or whether it is let's say, wanting to start your business or wanting to attract your partner or whatever that like deep desire is on someone's heart, you know, and that that kind of answer of it'll happen if it's supposed to happen, you know? I, I think that it goes back to understanding like what is the core desire, right? And knowing that like the core desire could happen, but it might look completely different than what you think, right? Yeah. So again, in a million years, in a million years, I would never have been like, I want to have a baby and I want to use another woman's eggs. That was not the desire, right? Yeah. If I had fixated on the fact that it had to look a certain way, um, I would probably not have uh, be a mother right now, right? Yeah. But, I, but I was open to understand the core is to be the mom. Yeah. Like, how that looks is totally different. So it's the same way of like in a business, it's the same way of, um, of a relationship. It's the same way of all that kind of stuff. But then again, so that's understanding, like if I'm fixated on Bob, yeah, right. That's a problem, yeah. right? Because I can't control Bob. Right. But if it's the idea to have what Bob represents and how I feel when I'm with Bob as a partner, then that opens me up to Josh or even Sally. Yep, absolutely. And, and I think that that is where we have to understand really what the core desire is and not attach it to like the specifics of what our vision looks like in the moment. And that's how we co-create with divine, how we co-create with the universe. It's understanding that we don't always know what the package looks like, right? Because we, we don't. And so we have to sort of be open to understanding that it might look different than what we think. And again, it always, I do believe it and, and how it happens is how it should. Like, I, you know this, right? And probably anyone who's like following me on Instagram or anytime I talk about my baby, like I'm obsessed. Like there's no way I can love this child more. Like there's absolutely no way that I would have loved him more if it was my egg. There, it, no, there's yeah. no possible way. And you know, it was when we were first going through it, um, and I wasn't there at the beginning, right? Like I remember my husband would have definitely been open to the donor sooner. You know, he was like, I don't care if we have donor sperm and donor egg. He's like, I don't yeah. <laughs> like, I just want to raise a child with you. He's like, that's yeah. what I want, you know? Um, and um, for us, I remember this moment of like, I think it was either, it was like in a meditation or a dream. And, I, and to be honest, I don't remember like that, that exact moment of it, but suddenly it became very clear that Porter needed something that I didn't have. Mm. Right. And, and I really believe, you know, as we've talked about so many times, like going to childhood stuff, that like the soul knows what it needs. And I believe that there are attributes of, um, 
this woman that he needed that I didn't have. And he sorted it. He got it all together. He's the one who kind of brought everything together. And then in from that, I look at him and I'm like, you know, you're so special. Like three people made you, you know? Yeah. And, like, and whenever was my mom, you know, who's like a little bit older and she doesn't totally understand all this. She lives for him. She was just living with us for three months. And she would look at him. She's like, how did you get such a special little kid? And every time I say the three of us did something really amazing. And I never don't think about her as my angel. And so it's like you have, I have a totally different shift around how my desire came. And now have like, and again, I never met this woman. You don't get a picture of the woman. Like it's a totally different type of process how we did it. And it's like, yet I know there's an angel out there who's totally, you know, did this beautiful thing. And he has an angel out there. Yeah. And um, I think that, I mean, I guess your original question though was like um, sharing it with other people. I think you, you share it with people who will help you hold the vision. I call them vision holders is basically what I always call them. And it's like you, it's, that's why community is so important. That's Absolutely. The- and also, but like you said, it's really important to hold that pure desire. Like what is the actual desire for and release the container that maybe you've put it in and release the how that you're thinking of, because I think those are the two big things. Like I see, you know, even with my clients, when it comes to dating, I have so many people that are resistant to apps, right? Online, like for dating apps, right? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, same, same. I'm like, okay, I'm engaged because of an app and I'm so grateful, like we'll sing it to the high heavens. And I'm so glad that I didn't let any limiting beliefs. And I did, I had for years also when I was like, you know, manifesting my partner and stuff. And I was doing all this work for that, which was a deep desire I also had for like, I mean, I would say it was like a really, like one of those desires that really arose probably a year before it actually happened. Like I had always been more distracted with work. And then all of a sudden it was like, all of a sudden this desire was like, it's time. We're like doing it now. Right. And I was like, but I'm so magical. It's just going to happen. I'm going to trip fall. He's going to catch me. You know, I'm going to be on the beach, like meditating and he's going to come up, you know, of course. Right. I'm like, if it's going to happen. No, but I had to get to the point with myself of being like, No. And I remember literally saying this to my friends because a couple of my friends were like, really, you're going to do that? And I was like, yeah, because I'm telling the universe, like all hands on deck, like I'm willing to do anything. And I did it more of an energy as an energetic sign than anything. And then when it like that happened, I was like, all right, you know, I didn't discount the relationship because of the means by which it came about and it goes back to what you said. It's like when you're focused on what you truly, truly want. And I even said, this: like, if the thing that you truly, truly want, like I said, is to be a mother or you truly want to be in an amazing partnership with someone that loves you and whatever the qualities of that partnership are, then when your aunt Edna calls you and says, I have a nice boy I met or whatever, you say, okay, give my number. Let's FaceTime for 15 minutes. Right. There's yep. no harm in that. You don't know who's your angel, right? Yep. And I think taking more than that, you also go on more than one date with him and understand that like you don't have to shut. Oh, yeah. When you whole like energetic thing, like the thing that's so interesting about all of it is that, you know, listen, I used to own a raw food vegan cafe. Um, I had been on antibiotics since I was a child. 
you know, I was like, you know me. And like, now that you have a raw vegan cafe, it was like the ultimate of the cleanest of ingredients. And like, I was a spiritual person who, who already was talking about manifesting all the time. So there was a part of me that was like, will people question it if I use IVF and then if IVF and then turns into donor, all of that, each cycle, each, each part of the cycle, I would be lying to say there wasn't a voice that was like, well, what if people think you're not that powerful anymore? And what I recognize from that is, is that we are, our spiritual practice um, allows us to get the messages to give us our earthly actions. Yes. And it's really, really important to understand that, that like, especially with Kundalini meditation, right? It's like, I am grabbing stuff from the ether so I know what to do on the earth. Exactly. And this is what, what my version of that is we're connecting to our divine support squad on a daily basis and they give us our instructions, right? So when we're connecting to our higher power, our highest self, our angels, our guides, like we do that, we plug in not only to shift and elevate our own energy and our vibration, but also to receive instructions, uh -huh. right? To receive that divine guidance. And I was, I was literally saying this the other day, it was so funny, similar to like you with IVF and that I was saying, you know, what, what do we think that like, there's not divine in dating apps, that there's not divine in your doctors, that the divine didn't touch all I'm of these, right? One, one person once said to me, a friend of mine, this is another thing, which I was so glad that I was super strong. She didn't know I was doing IVF at the time. So I wasn't ready. I knew that she wasn't possible, that there was a big possibility um, that she wasn't going to be a vision holder for me. Mm. But we were randomly talking about um, IVF. And mind you, she wants, she was my age too, and she wanted a baby as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I had mentioned IVF and she said, no, um, I'm leaving it up to God. If God wants me to have a baby, the baby will come. And I remember looking at her and going, God made the doctors that can help you have the baby, have it come. That's all I'm saying. Oh right. my gosh. That reminds right. me, you know that, you know that story. I feel like maybe I even told you this on one of our phone calls already, <laughs> but like yeah. that story reminds me of, um, there's like a proverb. It's this like classic story about a guy who is like, you know, if there's a God, he's going to come save me. Right. And he like takes his boat into the ocean right and yep. then like the coast like there's like a guy in a boat that comes he's like drowning in the ocean he's yep. like if there's a god god will save me yep. okay and then like the one guy comes in his boat and he was like oh my god are you okay like do you need some help and he's like no no no, god there's a god god's gonna yep. save me and then like a helicopter comes like all these different people come and the guy ends up drowning and he goes up to heaven and he says god like you're real. Why didn't you save me? And he was like, I sent the Coast Guard. I sent that random guy with the boat. I sent the helicopter. Like, what did you want me to do? Yep. And we don't realize that it's like the divine is in everything. Yeah. And, and, it's and like, our angels are walking humans, right? Yeah. Like our angels are above, but our angels are also all the people that we meet along the way. And so even though Dr. Whatever I call him, the bad doctor. <laughs> Dr. Right? Evil. <laughs> Dr. Evil. Um, he was one of my angels. Absolutely. He was a necessary part of the path. 100%. And he managed to like, even, even, and I think what a beautiful, also a beautiful message that even though he perhaps came in a container, which was like not super favorable for you or, you know, how he presented himself energetically yeah. or whatnot, he also had like the exact right medicine to get that message to you for you to have that shift and how beautiful and divine that was. That he yep. was able to, you know, it was like he was placed in your life and it was like, so that you would be with someone that would be able to like break through that. And then you could go see this other doctor who ended up 
loving. Yeah. And I think the other part of it is also is, is that my spiritual practice allowed me to hear him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that like, that's where like the, you know, a lot of people, cause I talk about Kirtan Kriya, like being the one that really helped me, um, you know, create Porter and have Porter come earthside. And I believe that it's because it allowed me to, to see all the signs in front of me of where to go next, what to do next. And like, you know this, and this is like complete truth. Like even in everything I went through, um, no one who was near me would say that there was any stress about any of it, even though it was, it was something like six cycles of IVF, one IUI. And then like, that's a lot. It's a lot for someone yeah. to go through. And the entire time, like, I would say that like, it was the most romantic time that my husband and I ever had. Wow. And yeah. now were there like any moments at all? where even for a little bit, there was part of you that was like getting frustrated or impatient or doubting it and needed to like reground in your practice or kind of give yourself a pep talk or lean on one of your vision holders. Um, and if I'm being completely honest, and I know that sometimes this isn't helpful because I'm people to make what I do feel that way. No, I always knew. I always knew. But again, I think part of why I always knew because my daily practice mm. so strong that if I even had, like, there's no time for the moment. Like, okay, so here's what would happen. And I remember this would happen during Kirtan Kriya is that I would have moments of like, um, so basically after the, after we lost her, right, then there was a little bit more fear. That was when it first became fear. So I remember like in a meditation, a fear thought would come in that like I would either, um, when I was pregnant again with Porter, like I would miscarry or, or one of those things would happen. I remember I would just have to do this, right? And I would just sort of have to like shake it out of my body, but that's the extent of what I had to do. And the irony is, is that a lot of those moments came in meditation, right? Yeah. When I'm quiet enough to hear the fears come through. Um, but I was also able to shake it off and recognize like, in this moment right now, is there anything to, for me to believe that I'm going to lose him? Yeah. And I was like, no. Okay. Shake it off. Right. Yeah. So before I would shake it off, I would have, it's during like the silent time of Kirtan Kriya for anyone who knows it. There's like a long silent part of it. And, um, in that part was often where I would sort of have these, I guess, conversations with myself where it would be like a fear thought would come in. I would take a moment and be like, is there anything presenting itself right now that shows this thought to be true? And there wasn't, so then I could shake it, right? And if there, I like if, that question, if, yeah. Like, is there anything presenting itself right now that, and that even in that moment, like if you tried to grab from like, well, you just had a miscarriage with this other one, right? It was like, no, but is there anything in this moment? like this moment right now right because yep. I feel like that's like what we can kind of mind mess ourselves up with right it'll be like well you know this other thing happened or my friend you know Allie had this sport. thing <laughs> you know and, yeah and what I would do with that right is that um I talk about it with clients often I talk about like seeing um two uh filing cabinets right and there's a filing cabinet on the left and has all the shit that proves your worst fears are true Mm -hmm. Then it has a filing cabinet with all the stuff that's right, right? Yep. And the idea is, is that you can use your breath, right? And you get yourself breath to a place where you can actually choose which door you're going to open. 
and then which files you're going to pull out. And so when I'm in that space, and this is with anything, not just with the fertility thing, this is with anything I'm going through, right? It's like, I just need to get myself to a calm enough state that I can find that right filing cabinet and I can start to pull out files. And even though you can find all like, yes, I had a past one, but it's like, okay, in this one, all right, my numbers are higher. Like, again, this is like a technicality with IVF, but you keep on going in when you're pregnant to keep on taking these numbers. I'm like, my numbers are higher every time. And then I bled. I had a, I remember going to the bathroom with Porter and, um, I bled and I screamed. Yeah. Um, and we, and I was, I think nine weeks out at that point. And we, that's when you kind of leave IVF and you go to the regular doctor mm-hmm. and, um, I freaked out and he's like, it's okay. He's like, it's totally normal. It's totally normal. He's like, um, it happens all the time. And, and, and yes, did I get on the phone call with my friends then and be like, and needed some of the expansion stories of them telling me when they have their healthy break, I bled, it's totally normal. I bled, it's totally normal. So in that I was able to, um, get through that night pretty safely and pretty calmly. And then we went and we found out it was fine. Um, so yeah, like, of course, there are, are going to be moments when like something like that happens, but I wasn't that particular night, which could have been incredibly scary. Um, two things that I also remember thinking that night was, well, I didn't bleed when I miscarried last time. So that's a good sign. <laughs> and, and I was calm. And so I remember what my husband and I did was like, we planned, like, again, we were in COVID at that time. Because the irony is that my husband went to every single appointment of mine until we found out we were pregnant. And then oh he could God. go along the road. <laughs> oh, that's... So, or th- like, it's so, it's so wow. crazy how that worked out. So like, he like, didn't hear the heartbeat. Like he didn't get, it was, it was so wild how that worked out. Um, wow. But um we like did like a really fun night. We played games and we just kind of um, went with that, but it wasn't like a terrible night. It was, it wasn't a terrible night. I remember I had two conversations with two different girlfriends of mine who gave me the stories that had happened to them. And that's all I needed, you know? And it and doesn't I- like there's not a little bit of fear. Like, of course there's a little bit of fear. I'm a human being, but it wasn't it. Cause I think that's the thing that people don't understand. Like, of course, like messages come, right? Like fear thoughts come. I think the difference is, is that, when I say I wasn't like fearful of all of it or didn't think or never lost my faith that it was going to happen is, is that I don't start looping with the fear thought. Mm. I have it and I let it just shoot by, right? I don't grab onto it. Whereas, um, so the answer is like, yes, fear thoughts came in. Like there, there were definitely, ha- I can't think of any, but there had to be a moment or two where I'm like, what if this doesn't work? Of course there had to be a moment or two of what if this doesn't work? Um, but I don't remember any of those because I didn't engage with them. I didn't loop with them. I think that's huge is not allowing yourself to like pull through in those moments because we have like, gosh, we have 60, 70,000 thoughts a day. And so it's like, you could have a thousand thoughts per blink of an eye. So I think you have even more thoughts than that. I think wow. that's what science says. That's yeah. Crazy. But so you think you have this like insane Pinterest board of thoughts every single day. Right. And I think that's also me and Jamie are huge advocates of a daily practice of meditation. And like, I really don't know how anyone survives without it. Uh, (laughs) I really don't. And so much of that, one of the things I always say is like when, and I think it was a beautiful example. I want to talk about too, how your fear thoughts were kind of coming in the meditation. It's like when we 
it's funny, you have the filing cabinet. I call it a miracle moment and I use the Pinterest board example. So I feel like when we have our daily practice, we, we see the Pinterest board more, right? And we can kind of see like, oh, I could choose from these things, or I could choose from these things. And I can say, okay, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of why it won't work out today. I'm going to think, well, you know what? Today, all I have to do is this one next step, you know? Today, I'm just going to have fun going to my doctor's appointment. Or today, I'm just going to have fun writing this page. Or today, I'm just going to have fun swiping on whatever app it is, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you can choose that different thing instead of allowing yourself to you know, like you said, it doesn't mean that those thoughts don't come up, but you don't have to attach yourself to them. Yep. Yep. And that's really a product of your meditation, I think. Uh, that's what I, that's literally why I tell everyone, like, that's one of my first things I tell all my clients about why we meditate. We meditate because there are so many thoughts per blink of an eye. And we want to be able to grab the thoughts that take us in the direction we want to go. Absolutely. And, and you can choose either, right? You can choose either. And, and I, all of them can be true depending on how you engage with that. Absolutely. And, and even what, like you were saying, I think when you have a regular meditation practice, I also believe kind of how you were saying that sometimes your fear thoughts would come to you in your meditation practice. Like I have a similar experience with that where like when I'm meditating, it'll be sometimes it's at different times and sometimes it doesn't happen or whatever. But especially if I'm meditating when there's like a, something specific that's like kind of in the forefront desire wise or whatever I'm moving through at the time. It's almost like I feel like my mind and my energy wants to kind of effervesce that during that time. So it kind of brings it up. And I think of it as a time where I get to turn it over, right? Mm-hmm. Like for me, like the way I think about it is I think about this is I place it on the altar and I give it up to the divine, right? And I'm saying, this is not yep. mine. You can have this. You can hold this for me. Like, I don't need this. <laughs> this whatever fear thought, whatever doubt thought, whatever heaviness thought. But I do think that's something that like when you're in, when you develop a strong daily practice, whether it's like Kirtan Kriya, like you were doing or my meditations, and we'll link to both. So Jamie has an awesome like Kirtan Kriya on her website and lots of also awesome meditations too. And you guys already know all mine. So play around, try them all. I'm a big like buffet meditation person. Like I'm a big fan of like, I think people need to try different kinds of meditations because you do need to find one that you really resonate with so that you can really commit to a regular practice (laughs) because that's the way it really works, you know, and that helps you sustain these moments of being able to hold that faith. Is there anything else you would advise someone out there that is maybe like trying to ground themselves in more faith for an unmet desire that they have right now that we haven't touched on? Um, I think it's just trying to find moments of joy during the journey of it and not getting super attached to your outcome. So again, like my husband and I, like going to like doing these little coffee dates that we did every morning made it fun instead of making it like, Oh shit, I got to go to the doctor's appointment again. I have to like go all the way uptown. Then I have to get a shot. And it could have been a really dreadful experience, but we made something fun of it. And so, you know, I always joke around about like, there's, I'm going to call it the shit sandwich, right? So there's always like a shit sandwich to everything. There's always a part to it that isn't great, but you can make celebration in that. You can find joy in those things. And so the process of IVF like in itself, like isn't fun, right? It's not fun, but um, you can make it fun. You can make it soup. You can say that like the IVF process isn't, um, I think you can bring your spirituality into everything you do, I guess is 
another thing I would say, because IVF is like very science, right? Yep. And so some would say like, oh, it's like super, you're like really intervening. And like, it's not like science, it's like total science. There's nothing spiritual about it, but we made it an incredibly spiritual thing. And the other thing is I would say that like, when you're trying to create whatever it is you're trying to create, I think that you can, um, when you're thinking about it and you're taking steps towards it or think about what your steps are to go towards that thing, because I do think you have to take daily steps, right? But it's like, do I feel tight and controlling or do I feel like open and expansive, right? Mm -hmm. If I feel tight and controlling, then I probably shouldn't make that move. That's a great decipher, right? Because it's also like, it's like, am I, am I making this action out of fear or lack or like mistrust? Right. Cause that's when we feel like tight and we feel controlling. It's because, Oh, I'm like, I'm sending this email because I'm, because I actually don't think the thing's going to happen. Right. Or whatever, or, um, you right. know, and like, I'm sending it from that, that space of non-belief yep. actually. And when we're doing something yep. from belief, we are so open and we are so loose and it is like, it's yep. a, you can just feel it in your body. And I think that's, that's a great point. And it doesn't mean that you don't send that email to that person and that you're not like writing it very carefully and making sure it's written carefully. So it's not like we don't do like real earthly moves that like, you know, again, like I was putting shots in me, right? Like very clearly at the exact time I was told to do it. Right. Um, but it's, a uh, um, when I'm doing it, it's not like it better work this round. Right. Yeah. Like again, you know, it wasn't. And again, like, and that's something that you could also shift in that moment, right? So let's say you were going to like go on your schedule and you noticed yourself, okay, right now I'm, I'm doing it from this place of controlling, right? Or you're going to send that email, you're going to apply for the job, or you're going to swipe on the dating app, whatever it is, you're, you've noticed that in that moment, then it's just a beautiful awareness, right? To take that moment and say, okay, let me just take a few breaths. <laughs> let me just surrender and let me, it doesn't even have to take, two minutes really to yep. just have that awareness and shift your energy so that then you send the email, you do the shot, you swipe on the thing or whatever it is, but you're doing it in a different energy. Just like hundred percent. Yeah. I love what you said about making it magical. I think that's a huge thing. One of the things like I do that with my finances because like I'm not a spreadsheet person or like doing any of that kind of stuff. It's like not my jam. And so I literally put on like, I put on like money mantras. I light all the candles. I have incense going. I do it at night. So like the lighting is dim. Like I'll make myself a nice cup of tea. Like I really like make it nice for me to like do Bring my like, I make it a ritual, right? Because I'm yep. like writing on this, like doing like QuickBooks or writing on my spreadsheet is like not anything I'm ever going to be like, I can't wait to write on the spreadsheet. Like, that's just not who I am as a person. <laughs> but well, if I make it, but when I make it magical and I make it a ritual, then I'm like, Ooh, this is my, like, this is my Lakshmi time or whatever. You yeah, know? And I like get into it um, and it shifts it. And I think what you brought about like finding the joy in the journey is huge. Right. Cause it's like, it goes back to literally full circle what we started with, right. About, our soul's journey is constantly expanding and growing, right? So we're naturally going to be finding our edge, finding new desires. And if you allow yourself to be miserable every time you expand to a new desire until you get fulfilled, then what happens is you just end up having a, a rather miserable life, right? Because life is in the in-between, right? Absolutely. Life, even if you 
attain all the things that you want, you were miserable in that journey to get there. And all the things that we want, big, small, all the big things that we want are made up of tons of little steps. And yeah. so it's really not about getting the thing. It's about enjoying all the little steps. Absolutely. Because that life is all the little steps in between the big milestones, right? Like that's really um, what it is. And I think that you can do it in, um, in situations that one would think you couldn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Last thing, last thing I want to touch on, just because you mentioned this, I know we're going so over time, but I can talk to you about this forever. So <laughs> I wrapped it up because this was something that actually came up for one of my clients probably a year or two ago and you mentioned it. So I wanted to call it out. And I feel like a lot of people probably have this moment, especially in the spiritual community where like you felt like really like there was so much synchronicity up until that first like IVF appointment where it just like happened to be on that like perfect time in your cycle and like ooh like you know angels like everything's going on it's all thing and then of course like it didn't work right that first time it didn't work right and I've had um I've had other clients that have had instances like that where they kind of feel like oh like this like like this led to this and like it was like all this synchronicity and then like let's say they didn't get the job and the, or they didn't end up going out with the guy or whatever it happens like it didn't end up manifesting in that exact moment right and I love how for you you didn't like really let that like shake you too much but like what would you say to someone that like came to you and was like Jamie like da -da 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 -da, like all the stars were aligning and then like how could it not have happened because I were I kind of think about all the things that have happened in my life is usually what I'll do. is I'll go through all these beautiful things that have happened in my life and notice that none of them took a direct line. Mm. And, and I'm like, so this is still all divine. All that flow happened because it had to get me super comfortable with IVF. Cause I was going to have to do all of these. You know, some people have asked me like, well, don't now that you use a donor, don't you wish that you would have just done it earlier? And the answer is no, because there were so many beautiful moments along the way. And again, he, Porter wasn't ready then. Porter was ready now, now, you know, Porter, we all joke around and you definitely, we talked about this this summer. Porter was like, I want to come in when daddy's going to be home cooking every meal. So for my pregnancy, we found out on like the week before lockdown happened. And so every single meal of my pregnancy was cooked by my husband, who's a chef. Yeah, it would be like, okay. Jamie's husband yeah. is an excellent guy. <laughs> so it's like every single meal of mine was from the farmer's market. And like, because we weren't getting anything from stores. And so it's like, we joke around. We're like, Porter was like, this is when I want to come. I want dad around every single day of my pregnancy. Because like, again, we both worked. We were both super fortunate. We both continued to work throughout everything. And so he was here for my entire pregnancy. We never spent any time apart from it, you know? And we're like, Porter chose that. And now Porter also wound up getting us to like have a, a house in Connecticut all of a sudden, yeah. as well as our apartment in the city, because we decided that we didn't want to be, and again, like it's a huge manifestation because I remember years ago talking to Will when we were going up to see a friend up here. I'm like, can you imagine if we had a house in this area? And like, imagine if we had one of those stone walls and like, you can see it under the snow. We have it. And it wasn't like, uh, let's make it happen. But again, Porter made it happen because we didn't want to be with a newborn in the city during everything. We wanted to have more space, more air, all of that kind of stuff. And so um, he didn't want to come before COVID. This is when he yeah. wanted to come, you know? And so it's, 
it's really about um, knowing that uh, I joke around this line all the time, right? It's like Bethany Frankel says, um, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. Um, and it's like, it's really understanding if everyone, if you look back on all the things that have been like these incredible moments for you where you, you know, I think about my husband, right? Like how many like wrong turns did I take to get to him? right? But they weren't wrong turns. They were absolute right turns that got me to him to become the woman that I am to sit with the man that he is, right? Including even our relationship wasn't straight. Our relationship was this as well. And so- um, Yeah, and it was like your relationship even had to like go through its own thing so that you could both be at this magical place and like, like welcome in Porter. And I think that's a great, you know, I feel the same exact way about like my relationship too. I like- my head like thought it wanted it even earlier but I'm so glad like the timeline was definitely more divine and I think it's such a good practice too for people to look back on those past desires and those past things that they've wanted and actually see how non-linear it was and actually see that actually the pieces fit together in a way better than they could have even imagined um, or that they could have even orchestrated so that when you have that knowing looking back and being like, well, remember this, other, remember when I really wanted that job, right? And then this whole journey had to happen before I got this job, right? It was now like a great job or whatever it is, right? And then you yep. give yourself that reminder of like, I don't need to know how the dots connect forward. I can yep. really trust in the divine. I can open myself up to all the different possibilities for how this can happen. And I can just literally meditate every day and listen to my divine guidance and take those next steps to the action. 100%. 100%. Yay! I love you, Jamie. This was so fun. I love you too. Yes. Yeah, it's the first time I told my story. I'm so excited. And I think it's just so funny that it's literally a year later. A year and, later. And the funny thing is that I think that what's important just for everyone to know is that if we did record this before... I was just as happy and just as positive of it happening as I am with Porter Earthside. And know? Yeah, and I can give you that, like, I can give you that affirmation that Jamie was like a Zen master. And I was just like, oh my God, I am like more worried about much less minor things. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important to just remember that, like, you, you can actually make the journey beautiful and you can trust in it even when you get roadblocks. As long as you're open to understanding that you don't have the exact look of what it should be. Exactly. Well, and of course, in miracles, we just of course, miracles always said, right? We have to put uh, God's will above our will, right? And it's like whether you say God or the divine or you know sources will above our will, like because our will is just with our limited vantage point and our little like human mind, right? And yeah. there's like such a beautiful bigger plan. When we keep remembering that, then we're like, okay, like, it's also relieving because you're like, I don't have to be the micromanager of the universe, yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. And again, because when I am, I feel really tight. And when I'm not, I feel really this. When I trust that, like, I'm being led, um, it, it feels much more in flow, you know, as opposed to when I think I have to, like, know every next step. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, this was so good. I'm sure you guys got so many great nuggets. Um, feel free to screenshot this, um, post it on your Instagram. Let us know like what little beautiful nuggets that you're going to take from our conversation today to help you with your own desire journey, unmet desire journey. Um, so many beautiful ones. Jamie, you want to let everyone know where they can find you? I'll put all of your links below too. 
Um, Organically Jamie uh, is my website and my Instagram handle. And uh, yeah. Yeah, check her out. She's awesome. She's got some beautiful meditations. Um, She has a wonderful program called Shift. Um, Jamie is just so powerful. I'm so grateful um, to have her as a dear friend and to have her as one of my vision holders. (laughs) Um, And it's just so, I love that word, vision holder. (laughs) and um you know i'm so grateful to have you on and share your story and just share your wisdom with all my beautiful divine downloads people thank you love thank you for having me